Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. My name is John Kennedy and joining me today are Franco Bolo and their producer Charlie Andrew. Franco Bolo are a Swedish four-piece now resident in London, known for the infectious energy of their live shows and their fusion of the weird and wonderful on record. Charlie started his musical career as drummer in the band Laurel Collective, co-founders of the In The Woods Festival, and has since gone on to great success as a producer with the likes of Alt-J and Marika Hackman to his credit, and a Brit Award and a Mercury Prize to go with it. Hello, Charlie. Hello. Simon and Peter from Franco Bolo. How are you? Very well. It's good to see you all in the hot, sweaty environment of Iguana Studios, which is where the magic happens, where this this chemistry and this combination um, sets a light and has created an amazing debut album, Long Live Life, which is out through Square Leg Records. So I think one of the key questions is, um, how did you all meet and how did you decide to work together? But before that, let's dip our toes straight in the water by listening to one of the key songs on the album, Kinky Lola. So there you have Kinky Lola by Franco Bolo from the album Long Live Life, recorded in Iguada Studios in Brixton. And Charlie and half of Franco Bolo are here then. So where did Kinky Lola spring into being? It's, it's our newest song. It's the, the latest creation. Uh, we got, well, we got songs after that, but it's the newest one that is on the album. Yeah. Uh, and it came quite organically. We were just jamming in the studio and Petter was playing bass, yeah. LA Salami was playing drums. Trying, uh, trying to play drums. Trying to play drums. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the best drummer. No. Um, He's got character. Yeah. He's got a lot of character when he plays. So where was Sean? Sean is your normal drummer. Sean was probably yeah. at work yeah, I think Sean on was the way working. to the studio because he has to work a certain amount of hours every day. Mm. Um, and then he came late, but we just kind of recorded this idea and then it was on my phone for a bit. And then I think I was working in St. Pancras Church, old church the day after. And I just had it in my head and I started writing because it was quite a, an annoying night there. 
So I got a bit annoyed and started writing <laughs> on my phone. That's interesting, though, because I've seen you work at St. Pancras Church. Yeah. And um, the, one of the lines you say, um, selling cans of alcohol to a crowd of strangers, which is kind of what you do at St. Yeah. Pancras Church. <laughs> yeah. um, and that's quite interesting. I love that idea that, you know, something, um, some tiny little detail from your actual life, it, it kind of works its way into Yeah, and it gets a bit awkward when you speak, like... Because I get a lot of people come in there and they've heard a song and then they kind of like, <laughs> think it's a bit weird that, oh, you're still working here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then the song just kind of came out that night and then we didn't really record or anything and then we, we started rehearsing it and then we came here. So this was the first mm. actual recording we did. And kind of gradually slowed it down as well. Because from the beginning it was kind of like quite upbeat. Yeah. And then it just slowly got Slowly became this kind of wavy, and, yeah. drunk, sailory kind of... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We've got yeah. the uh, original phone recording with LA drumming on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. We've got to hear that. Yeah, that sounds idea. great. Yeah, totally you get cool. the idea. Yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. I don't know, I just really like it. It's got this there's something that feels very home for us in that melody and the bass line. Like it feels very Scandinavian. I don't know what it is, it just feels very minory and kind of complaining. Yeah. The yeah. guitar line. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what I really liked about it. and then I was complaining the day after at work and then I realised that it kind of fitted together it's quite a complaining song so, <laughs> so, so you you regard complaining as a scandinavian trait then? oh f- massively yeah. that's all they do <laughs> <laughs> complain yeah it's very kind of nobody if you listen to kind of scandinavian swedish folk music it's got um it's always very kind of minory and very melancholic and by minory you mean minor key minor key yeah minor-y. as opposed to people down a mine could be as well it kind of sounds like that Um, so at this point you'd already met Charlie and you'd already started working together and made some decisions along on the long line so we'll Mm. quickly talk about the actual recording process for for that song and then go back and work out how you actually came together because that's kind of interesting Mm. as well but so you had this little phone demo you brought it around to Charlie and say, hey, we've written our number one hit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, that's the first time I've heard that phone demo. So, like, I, this whole record was recorded in a very live way here at Iguana. And you said earlier about it being hot and sweaty. That was a very important part of the process of making this album. Um, and um, this was one of two recording sessions to make the whole record. One was actually a quite a long time before uh this session and um i kind of only really heard this song in rehearsals before the recording session really at, at which point it already kind of started to slow down and take take the form it is in now but my my job as a producer for this record was to capture the the raw energy of the band because you go to see them live and you just love it um and recordings that i'd heard in the past that the guys had done were very well accomplished very slick but didn't capture that you know they didn't have their personality so um yeah for this for this whole record part of the plan was sort of throughout the day would get the sounds up rehearse get get 
you know pissed get, get, get pissed <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and then a load of the, of the guys fans would come in basically and would do several gigs and it, I mean it's not very a large space here so it's very cosy got even hotter even sweatier but then we got that energy on the performance that we needed um, so this one is um, sort of demonstrates that the most I think this, again so this is a live take obviously there's some embellishments we've got extra synths on there and eventually and things like that which um, Weir did who was per- used to be a permanent member of the band didn't he but mm-hmm. now he's back in Sweden yeah um, but you can hear you can just hear all the all the warts and everything else that go with with the live recording but it, it brings you into the space with the guys and i think it's good fun yeah i think we you even told us to turn off the lights so we couldn't see the rhythm section so they couldn't see each other which made it really 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 wonky <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a sort of a drunkenness to it yeah yeah because yeah. if you think about it the song starts it finishes on, on about 15 bpm slower than it starts up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some really good jumps. Yeah, there's some really yeah. good jumps in the song. I really so like. it kind of slowly becomes mm. more drunk through the song, and then when it, do, 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 the last one is just uh, <laughs> go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's the key to this whole record. There's not not a metronome in sight, mm. which yeah. is great. So it'll just allow the guys to just take it where they want to take it. So the recording we're gonna hear in a, in a second is the, yeah. is the live recording yeah. before it was augmented by anything else. Uh, yeah, I can do that. Yeah. yeah, I think that would be interesting to hear because so, and that would be the four members of the band, or is it the five at this point? That would be five. five yeah. The five members yeah. of the band playing in the lights off live room of Iguana Studios with some other people in the room who are kind of enjoying the sounds of of the band as well. Yeah. So, yeah. and you immediately so during the day you'd you'd set them all up and done any recording or just kind of got yeah, them to no, we run did, through we did tracking because i mean obviously yeah. if you get if you get a great take then you should keep it um but more often than not with most of the songs it was like in the in the evening sessions when the fans came in it took it to that next level right um and but the guys already had it warmed you know they'd warmed up they already yeah. had it you know muscle memory and then all the rest of it so it was yeah it worked a treat mm. that's really interesting um right okay so this is i basically soloed everything in the band playing live. Hearing kinky lola from the loudspeakers Drinking stinky cola in the house of God Selling cans of alcohol to a crowd of strangers Will this circular So I'm just going to fast forward a bit because that sounds pretty much identical to the recording. <laughs> so there's not much on there. No, no, really. but if I go forward to the sort of middle eight section, that's this is where it starts to sort of come alive or with the overdubs. But Right, okay. So so what we just heard there is is the sound of the band yep. playing in the room with yeah. other people there. Um, mm. But then afterwards you took that and thought, oh, we need to add yeah. a, a couple of extra... So if I play the sort of breakdown... So it's quite, it's very sparse. You can hear. There's a big hit here. 
That's a mic voice. That's what was me that? hitting my head in the mic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if I play that bit again, what we did with with Weir was try out various synth sounds with various modula- modulators on it and things like that, which then became this. So it's a kind of a main, sort of like a solo, really, on yeah. top of it, of that. Really brought this bit to life. And then after this section, if I play without Weir's keyboards, we've got sort of the big heavy drop. Okay, so then it just felt like it just needed to be much nastier, this bit, really like full on. So then we sort of, Petter, I think you did an overdub as well, which yeah. is kind of that entire full on. part is kind of dedicated to Neil Tollett, actually, because he was in the okay. room and I got really inspired by it because we used to play in his uh, record for his label called Snake Town Records and they were very like, Ugh. so I so I just as kind of as a joke just put on like the dirtiest sound I had and looked at him being like, <laughs> just loving it. So that's kind of why I had that crazy guitar sound because I didn't used to have that there. Okay, <laughs> that, cool. That kind of just happened so there. just so we hear that's this is what Petter, we overdubbed Petter. <laughs> <laughs> and then these horrible synths are just full on and then, so that became... So it makes it a much more kind of just full on in your face yeah. moment. And the synths are sort of mixed in sort of almost too loud. You just kind of just take your head off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Which I think it's good fun. <laughs> so, I mean, it's interesting to 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 think that you are from Sweden, that you've made the UK your base, and that you decided to focus and 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 create this band here because you all knew each other back home mm. anyway. Mm. Yeah. Um. So you could have been doing Franco Bolo in Lund. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. But and do, do you think in a way it started in Lund? Oh yeah, yeah it totally. started when mm. we studied music together and we we played in different <clears throat> constellations. I Franco Bolo, as it originally was, I was playing drums. And Franz, who first played the bass when we came in, he was playing, he was playing bass actually. But yeah, Sean, our drummer, was playing well. guitar and singing. Yeah, doing this like blues, I don't know, funk blues, yeah, rock really and roll w- thing. Really <laughs> weird. Really and then oh, we just okay. kind of kept the name. And then I started writing songs, and then we kind of swapped around. So I started playing guitar and singing. Mm. Yeah, Sean started playing drums. Yeah, and there was always this question I remember because Sean. Because of um, yeah, water damage in your flat, whatever. When turn back lane, <laughs> crazy story. Um, yeah, so he Sean basically had to move back. But then Sam tried to. Sam was basically we were looking for a drummer, and which Sam uh, from the start was joining us because he, he thought he was going to be the drummer. But then Sam, uh, Sean decided to come back. And even then, there was a conf- uh, like because I remember Sean talking quite a lot about that he kind of wanted to play bass for some reason. Yeah. So so they weren't really sure if they were gonna he was gonna play drums or bass but then he started playing drums anyway and sam totally lied to us and said that he also could play bass just so he could join the band yeah. <laughs> and then learn all the songs on bass and but, how had yeah. you met sam then how did he get involved in this swedish it's funny actually so he was at the first ever gig we played 
at the Cross Kings in King's Cross. Um, we used to rehearse in the basement and then they got us a gig upstairs and there was no one there apart from Simba, our manager, his girlfriend, Sarah, and Sam used to play in a band called Cutaway and he was playing drums for them, but they were on later on that night and he saw us that night and um, and then months later he joined the band, but he kind of remembered us. And yeah, stuff. so he mm. thought it looked like fun. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Thought, yeah. I, I want to be part of this game. Yeah, that's why. Like they're having yeah. a lot of fun. And it's interesting, I mean, I think that illustrates the kind of collective consciousness of Franco Bolo in some ways. I mean, the demo we heard of, of Kinky Lola with L.A. Salami on drums, I mean, you played with him as his band um, as well. And, and the idea that, you know, certain members have joined in order to play one instrument, but then they end up playing another instrument in, entirely. Yeah. Um, it, it always seems as if there's this, this constantly shifting shape to the group, you know, which adds this, this certain je ne sais quoi to, to, to what yeah. Franco Bolo do in a way. 100%. Mm. And I think, it's, I think a lot of it has to do with us we just went straight for the music. We're not trying to do the image thing because we don't really have an image. Like I, I can't really see Frank Waller as an image. We've always gone for, we always like artists that do their own thing. Just interesting artists that aren't, aren't afraid of going outside of genres and combining really weird stuff together to create something new. I think that's really important for us. And I also think that we, because we played all these instruments, we know we know what a bass line should be. So we it, it's not like no one's trying to impress anybody. Everybody just trying to make the song as good as possible. So yeah. if the bassist needs to play an E for an entire song, then he then he will play an E for an entire song, yeah. you know, or the drums, if they're just constant, then they should be just constant. And so when did you first encounter Franco Polo Charlie? Right, yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> we think it's the Seabright Arms that oh. I first saw you play. And I think there's a few of us from In The Woods went down to the show, actually. And that was because you were very much like on our radar through Simba, I think. Simba's connection with Hanako so sort of suggested that we should check you out for, for In The Woods lineup. And I came down and at the time, um, yeah, I just was, was there and I was just struck by, yeah, that sense of fun and the awesome musicianship that you don't normally, you would, yeah, you just don't normally see, really. You see a lot of bands, like you say, trying to be trendy, trying to, do the sort of style over content thing but I was just blown away by how you, you clearly were just loving it and that's quite an infectious thing really yeah and so was it that same year then that Franco Bolo played as part of In The Woods yes yeah, yeah. it was later that year. yeah and so I, I was lucky enough to be there folks and uh, <laughs> and, I, and I witnessed the performance that afternoon because it was an afternoon yeah. performance and um, and it was really interesting because I'd seen you quite a few times before but this time was different because you were definitely playing to a whole load of people who'd never really heard you before. Yeah. But you completely won them over and got everybody on stage and people were singing along and, and dancing. dancing. Um, and they didn't know the music necessarily, but they really got involved. And well, I think it seemed like a confirmation in, in my mind of you know the appeal of, of the group and, and the kind of magic of, of the group, which I think maybe had a lasting effect. On 100% did, yeah. I remember that I was stood by the sound desk, sort of, you know, uh, just sitting there like I do at gigs with my arms folded, just taking it all in. <laughs> um, Head down. But, yeah, I, you know, I was 35 back then thinking, I'm loving this, and then there were these teenagers who just, when rushed the show, they just ran on stage and they were up there dancing around with you and, and I was like, well, they're loving it too. This is a really, really great sign, you know, and the whole, the crowd got bigger and bigger and bigger as they kind of heard what you were doing coming through the trees. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just a great sign. And at that point, there's also when I, the concept of my label was being brewed and I just thought, well, I, this, this seems like an obvious, you know, should they want to sign with me? I'm, I'm up for this. 
Right. So, so then how long did it take to start that conversation? Oh, God. <laughs> just kind of started straight away after yeah, that. Yeah, pretty much. Like. Yeah, I think you had a conversation with someone. <laughs> that, so, uh, I'd, I'd never met the guys at this point. Right. But, uh, but we came to the festival and we were like, who oh, is this Charlie Andrews? There's big producer, yeah, hot big shot producer dude. Yeah. And we came then. first thing was this um, older gentleman coming up to us. was like, oh, you're looking for Charlie Andrews? It's like, yeah. And he was like the gatekeeper (laughs) into the woods. And he was like, yeah, he's really interested in working. He was like, oh, okay. Mm. So I just assumed that this guy was Charlie's dad (laughs) for the whole festival. And he (laughs) kept on coming up and talking to me. We had long, interesting discussions. Really lovely man. And his first few months back that I actually found out it's not Charlie's dad. So I've been thinking, <laughs> and he even came to gigs in London. Uh, so I totally thought it was Charlie's dad no. the whole time until, until we found out one day that it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, had he made the introduction? Had he got you to meet Charlie at this point? Yeah, but no, because then we kind of met you naturally through the festival. Yeah, anyway. I think we sort of yeah. crossed paths. Yeah. 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 So that was uh, who you met was a guy called Mike. who's like a family friend who's, you know, um, yeah, he's into his music. So that's quite interesting that you thought he was my dad. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, we just got talking and I can't remember really the time scale. But, you know, quite soon after that, I think I came down to some rehearsals and we sort of started to, I think, because you, you were doing quite a lot of gigs that summer and festivals and things. Yeah. And actually the first recording session was not that long after that. It was no, the no, end of that summer. Yeah. yeah when we yeah. recorded... Um, Wonderful and... You give me your money. money. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Future Lover. And a few others that are on the record. The guys were on fire then as well because they'd just been playing loads of festivals and things. So it was just that that was the first time we tried the experiment of bringing the fans in. And I think and it really worked. worked the Take really. of Future Love is actually from that, that session. session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it is. Oh, right. Because yeah. it's got that. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing. I mean, obviously, that one of the, the principles of, of Take Notes is to explore. The, the magic of the creation of, of an album and that combination between producer and band and artist. Um, but then if you're just putting them in the room and, and just saying play, that, that, then that <laughs> makes it seem really simple. But I don't think it is as simple as that in the sense that, say that with that first session, we're going to hear Future Love now, I think. And um, you came to the conclusion somehow to capture this band, I think they need to, we need to create an environment where they feel most relaxed and that seems to be mm. on stage when they have an audience in front of them it, it kind of brings the best out of you as performers and as players but yeah i think if you try to sort of straighten everything up with these guys you know you try to get the drum take right that's nice and perfect and then we did bass and that's perfect it's it's not them you know like yeah. it's the imperfections in their performance every time which are the things that really draw you in really like but that's, that's a fine line you know that's a fine line of recording like this as well because there's been moments even recording this album it's like is this too wild to be a recording you know the, sure. you, you get certain bits uh, but i think we managed to nail that balance yeah. very fine you know songs yeah. like finally is almost like on the brink of like yeah. this can't be a recording but it yeah that was about so <laughs> when we li- yeah we really listened to that i couldn't believe how fast we played it it was yeah. just mental but yeah but the rest of the album gives that context which is good i think You may have heard us talk about Tape It before, and if you haven't, then let me fill you in, as they are the sponsor of today's episode with a fantastic offer for you. Tape It is an iPhone recording app made by musicians for musicians. 
Many of our guests on Take Notes, music industry friends and listeners rely on voice notes to record their early ideas. People like the Lumineers, Ezra Collective and Fred again have all shared recordings with us made on voice notes. But what you wouldn't have heard are the long pauses where they're searching for those recordings. We wouldn't want to put you through that. As you can understand, organising and finding the right notes, let alone a specific part, can be a nightmare. Tape It solves all of that voice memo chaos with intuitive labelling features, including automatic instrument detection, markers and collaborative mixtapes, meaning you can share band practices, organise set lists and brainstorm ideas with co-writers and band members. Plus, you can record straight from your lock screen and attach text and photo notes to each recording. One of our favourite features within Tape It Pro is that you can record in stereo using two microphones along with gentler dynamic compression to give a much more natural sound than any of the usual apps. It's a huge upgrade to the microphone and all-round audio quality. It really helps support the podcast whenever you engage with our sponsors. So if Tape It sounds like an app you'd use, then do us a favour. Pause the episode, head to the link in a recent episode show notes, or visit tape.it forward slash tape notes and give Tape It a go. That's tape.it forward slash tape notes. You can download for free or use the promo code tape notes for 50% off Tape It Pro. Thank you. And now on with the show. Did you do it? Honestly, Tape It is fantastic. All of the Tape Notes team members are complete converts. And excitingly, some of our guests have started to use it as well. So I really would recommend checking it out. This episode is supported by Museversal, an amazing new service for working with session musicians remotely. If you use session musicians or would like to, but it's been too expensive or hard to organise, this is for you. And we have a special offer for any Tape Notes listeners, 25% off for the first three months, and you get to skip the wait list. But more on that in a moment. I've got David from Museversal here to tell us all about it. Hello, David. What is Museversal? Hey, John, thank you so much for having us on here. Appreciate it a ton. Museversal is an online remote recording studio for artists, producers, composers, anyone who's a music creator to work with session musicians remotely. In a couple of clicks, you can go on and you can book a session with a drummer or a guitar player, a piano player, you name it, they're on the platform. And so the way that it works is all of the sessions are hosted over live stream. So all of the, you know, revisions and feedback and all of the different little, you know, hey, um, would you mind, you know, moving to the ride symbol for the fourth bar? Or would you mind, you know, finger plucking instead of using a pick? You know, all of those types of creative choices can happen quite literally as if the musician is in the room just done over live stream. Yeah. It sounds amazing. And in a way, the clue is in the name, Museversal. It means that whether you're a beginner or whether you're somebody with a lot of experience, you can still get access to the same kind of level of musicianship and creativity. Yeah, it's amazing because it allows the music to have expression on it and musicianship that, you know, if I'm sitting in my basement playing piano versus a piano player that's played for, you know, Jay-Z or has been playing for 25 plus years, the material that comes out of that is going to sound night and day. What does it cost? So the service is $200 a month US and included in that is all of the sessions. So there's no additional fees or anything. You know, you get to book as many sessions as you can have per month. To put it in perspective, the average user probably books about five to seven sessions per month. But we actually have some users booking 10, 12, 15 sessions per month. So I mean, you can do the math on 200. The The deal really is awesome. And it, it allows people to work with incredible musicians and, and, you know, not break the bank. 
It sounds great. Can you remind us what the offer is for Take Notes listeners? Well, look, we're so thankful um, that you guys are having us on here. What we would love to do is offer 25% off per month for their first three months. And then the other cool part is they get to skip our wait list. So, you know, we usually run a wait list. It's about two weeks long. But in this case, you know, finding us through this episode, you could have a session as early as tomorrow. Fantastic. And to get the offer, all you have to do is find the link in any of our recent episode show notes. David, thank you so much for speaking to us. And maybe one day we'll be talking about a piece of music that's been created using Musiversal. That would be incredible. We cannot wait for that day. So with Future Lover, how did this song begin? So this song began, it was almost like in my head when we first came here, it was like a music, it was meant to be a musical that was the whole idea with the whole outro. It was meant to be like a, and it's so pompous, like the whole song was like, do, 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 do. it's got very, that's how I'm in my head. It was like full of blown string or so, so you're thinking of, Andrew Lloyd Webber or Les Miserables? Or, yeah, or, or, kind of like that mixed with like really dirty guitars. So in my head, it was just this mad musical of us coming to London kind of thing, trying to find love or trying to find music or trying to find anything. So it's kind of a, that it's got that, feeling the conquering feeling so it just started that when we first moved to turnpike lane in north london we had a disgusting old flat there that we shared me and sean shared a bed and that's where the song kind of came out and it was all written on an electric guitar without any amplification so it's all it was mainly in in our heads um and for future lover then you did a demo in that um house that you shared with sean in turnpike lane no so we actually we did one demo where we went to simba got us like a recording session at emi studios in soho with this dude who was smoking hash the whole time and he couldn't give a little (laughs) shit about (laughs) us and they didn't have any hire. we came in and we didn't have a drum kit there and because they were like no you need to hire that i was like oh all right well let's use today so we actually recorded a version of it. it was like it was drum machine most of it, and then the outro was just piano and guitar or something yeah, like really yeah. weird. But then the demo we're going to play later, we recorded in a house in Sweden, our first EP, Harp Homer. So we went out to your Petter's dad's house in mm. the middle of nowhere in Sweden, and it was snow everywhere. And we locked ourselves in there to record. It was meant to be an album. We had like 14 yeah, songs. Yeah, 14 songs. I recorded like 11, 11 days. But then we released an EP like way back of those five songs, and that was the the first recording we kind of did yeah. right and future lover the thing that that was recorded that way and that's the what is in effect the demo for what became the future exactly. Lover we know on the yeah, end mm. um do you have that demo there i have it here yeah let's have a listen
I love you can hear the room. You can, I, yeah, ne- you I can never hear. thought about that back yeah. in the day. Cause I we didn't, record it in, really the, in the, the living room. room of this house with a fireplace <laughs> and everything. Yeah. And you can really hear that room. It's like completely no isolation whatsoever. It's just like a wooden old room. God, I can't stand my singing though. Oh, I don't really like that. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's yeah. not bad at all. It's not far off what we've got on the album. So <laughs> we just, you know, recorded it here and it sounds it's just better the album. fatter yeah yeah exactly it's just mic technique and stuff like yeah that. so and the band at this stage is sam playing bass on on that yeah so, so um, was that his first trip to sweden yeah, yeah, yeah it was yeah, yeah. and Crazy. he really enjoyed himself yeah he it, loves it over there he was well, how long had he been in the band when that happened like less than less than, than six months yeah i think it was like, he's been in the band four sweden. months and then we we're like we're going to sweden we've got to lock ourselves in a house yeah for a for, month for a guy that's <laughs> learnt bass just to be the bass player in the band he's an exceptional bass player yeah oh yeah he's great so you had given future lover a good go you'd actually put it out as an ep um but it was still part of the set and still part of, of... i wouldn't call it a good go it's very self-released yeah like, we yeah. were just well, playing I, live I, at I, the time i played tracks from that ep on the radio no, yeah so, know. so you know they were good enough for airplay <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good enough for me um <laughs> But but it was still an important song, and one that you wanted to revisit and redo here at Iguana. You know, it was still one that you thought we it's need just to one of those, have that. Yeah, because hmm. when you, sometimes we leave it out of the set for ages, and then every time we kind of bring it in again, it reminds us of. Because when you play that last any show you do, you're gonna hear walking outside and one people are singing that. You know, yeah. it's just in this kind of good portrait of our band. That outro, especially, is just. I think that's just. A, very well concise description of yeah, us. Yeah, it's a very good like connector to all the chaos and it kind of makes yeah. sense. Yeah, so that's interesting. So in terms of recording it here at Iguana, there, mm. it seems to me there were two things that you wanted to achieve. You know, one to to get a better quality recording of the yeah. of this whole song, but also maybe to bring out more of the Swedish Cockney musical aspect of the song that you know maybe was absent from the rougher, uh, readier version that you'd recorded at Petter's Definitely, it's got more. Dynamic and it's much more. I think the demo is quite monotone. Yeah, and in my singing and stuff, it's a bit yeah. more, you know, as, as if you would approach an electronic song almost. Um, um, one of the keys with this band is you, you just said it dynamic. Yeah. And yeah. I remember in rehearsals being like, right, I want you to, like, with the loud bits, just exaggerate, go louder than you think is possible, you know, and then for the quiet bits, like, quieter than you think it's possible you know because it's very easy to think well i'm being quiet then actually you're not you, if you zoom out you're just you know loud and quiet you really need to on a record where you haven't got any other vi- visual stimulus or anything like that you need to exaggerate all those things you know so one thing when recording say for this song for example you know brett would be engineering it i'll be in the room with the guys Jumping around like yeah. a like waving like idiot. a swan, yeah, going, yeah, yeah, like, like quiet bits like lying on the floor, and <laughs> so pretending like a to be asleep. Conductor then, he was to very much yeah. conducting, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Some of the songs, especially the ones with big dynamic drops, he was very much conducting. <laughs> and would that be song by song as you recorded? So, yeah, because like, in a sense, you know, this idea that you know you, you bring the audience in and the band play, but mm-hmm. it's not like they run through a whole set in one go. Or do they? Well, when that's the, what when, we did. When yeah. the fans are here, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. So during the day, they, I would be doing the conducting. It's almost yeah, it's like the rehearsal, really, for right. all. Um, and then in the evening, I suppose I was more of a vibe man down the microphone to you. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, so was, was I well, in there with them as well? Yeah, you, some, uh, some, uh, some songs, songs yeah. you yeah. were yeah. in there with them as if, well. If it needed it, you know, if it still hadn't quite, the penny hadn't quite dropped, that we can still go quieter here, yeah. guys. We can still go louder than I'd. Mm. Just have to go in there and. It's quite dangerous, really, in today's kind of music 
musical landscape as well, being that quiet because people are so yeah. They just recycle things as soon as they're not stimulated. When it gets too quiet, when it's not a kick drum pumping, they're like, "Oh, what am I? Oh, next song." Yeah, what, what am I, mean? I doing? Again? So it's yeah. quite a bold thing, really. I think to having a dynamic. Even looking at the wave files on a on a screen, hmm. like on SoundCloud, you look like Square Times, for example. It goes like that, and then it just drops, and it's nothing for like first. Yeah, sure. But I, I mean, for me personally, you got to be bold. I, I'm excited about the about the silences. You know, yeah. they they're just as effective as the loud bits. Definitely. So let's hear the, the finished version after all that preparation and hear the different dynamics in full. Franco Bolo in, in all their glory, future lover. Um, and I think that you're right now that I know that you'd envisaged it as a, as a musical, I can really hear that. And now in my mind, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when, it, when I think just Franco Bolo, the musical, is, is enough of a title. <laughs> We're already and working you... on it. Me and Sam, obviously Sam is well Are into you? film and theatre and stuff. We're kind of already scoping our ideas for a musical. It's not necessarily a Franco Bolo musical, but 
a musical. Yeah. Cool. Well, I don't know, Franco Bolo the musical. It I mean, could you, be cool, if you, yeah. you string these songs together. You can see together us coming and... to London on a ship. Like yeah, that yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> and I, I, you string the songs together with a nice little storyline. Yeah. I mean, Future Lover, that lends itself to a storyline immediately. Yeah. And yeah. hey, Presto, you've got the next Mamma Mia. No. <laughs> I mean, it, it's part of your natural na- national. I mean, that's heritage. The, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. take over from Benny and Oof. Or what are they called? Yeah. Benny, Bjorn and Benny. Bjorn and Benny. Yeah, Bjorn and Benny. So, Future Level was part of the first session, wasn't it? Yep, exactly. And, and then there was a gap where uh, people had to go off and, and earn a living and. and yeah, and, exactly. I think, and also we're sort of trying to work out how we're going to roll this out and re- release it. And from, yeah. from that original session, we had basically like an EP that was going to be used. Um, eventually, we got the label sorted out, and then it was like, well, let's let's do this, let's finish this off, get an album done. So, guys came back in, and we carried on. Right. So a second session was was booked using the same methodology. That you'd already tried yep. and tested. Yep, yep. Tried to sort of mimic it, like try and get all the mics in exactly the same place, just so we could just carry on from where we left off, really. Yeah. Hmm. So, what's a good example of a song to hear from the second session that would illustrate how you've moved on, both as a band and, and in terms of? Well, Kinky Lola was that, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Well, we got worried times here. If yeah. That was also from the same session, but what Kinky Lola does is sort of. Because it's one of your later songs that you've written. It's almost like a bridge to what we're what's, writing what's, now. Yeah. What's next to come, and which I've had a sneaky peek, and it's very exciting. <laughs> it really is. Mm. This song, Worried Times, is uh, was one of your older songs as well, wasn't it? Not that old. It's kind of is mid. That, yeah, can, yeah. If you look at the span of all the songs, this is like somewhere in, in middle. In the I'd middle. Say. This yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. This one's got. It's very sort of just driving sort of drum beat. That just is, you can imagine someone on a on a long highway in america with the top down just cruising to yeah this one. it's a trucker song. i think yeah, in fact yeah. that's kind of what i was that's what we were talking ta- when i was conducting there was a lot of this <laughs> as well actually we were talk. we would talk about the songs and kind of create a scenery almost we did yeah. that quite a lot so we were like what do we want with this this is like like i said driving down a motorway with you know it's sort of crowd rocky in the way yeah. they can just like yeah so there was a lot of kind of talking and trying to describe environments for the song to kind of live in and Mm. yeah and uh, th- this one did we went a little bit deeper into the production of this one i think yeah. one, once mm. we got that take again like all of them are based on that live take but then just to sort of fan out the bottom end and things like that there's some synths in there and stuff to that kind of bring out moments and make it sound more more like a record i suppose it's an harmonica it, in there as well uh yeah there is in the yes there is there is a harmonica is it um, worth hearing the demo of Worried Times and yes. then and then let's do that the, the unaugmented session? It's changed recording. quite a lot actually. Mm. The, the demo is more it was it's more like a country bluesy kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> Get all Where's the intro stuff. Oh, you're tuning up. <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, I love that. I love that you hear the metronome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember being really happy with that drum sound. I was just slapping my knee. <laughs> <laughs> so who's playing on this demo? This is just me, I think. Oh, just you on your own? Yeah, above so the that, silver bullet. So that's Simon. 
Um, just in case you haven't worked out whose voice is whose. So that's all you, Simon. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you layered things up or much? Or? Yeah, not much. I think it's just an acoustic guitar, and then me slapping the acoustic guitar, slapping my knee, and then there's a electric guitar. So you just added the electric yeah. guitar, and, and then the percussion. Percussion. There's a tambourine, some t- a teacup kind yeah. of thing. I was really enjoying yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that sounds great. It's really great. kind of got a surfery touch. It's to very, it. it's, and it's a different key as well, so it's much lower and a bit low. Hmm. Bedroomy. Yeah, I mean that's one because these guys are so talented in so many ways. Like a lot of the, there's so many demos of each of these songs at different stages. Yeah. I mean, when you had access to was it Fat Tank or something? You know, you actually I was listening to these tracks, thinking we're actually really. I remember you saying well accomplished here. You mm-hmm. know, but what the the key was again just to capture what i saw live you know that 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 character of the whole group of them playing together and that's so which is you know again the whole process of bringing fans in is a brand new experience for me so that's you know but i listen to that and think well i'm actually really enjoying that as yeah. a real soul to that you yeah know? Mm. So it stands up on its own in a, in yeah. a different kind of way you know um yeah. which is quite interesting you know it would be make a great supplement to to the album and i think that's very important when you re-record songs not to stick to the demo yeah because you're never gonna if you want if you're trying to oh it sounds so good on the demo you should just use the demo demo, or you should do something else Mm. i remember you saying that as well well we maybe should just use the old recordings yeah (laughs) i'm not not afraid to do that that's the thing it's it's um there's no point just trying to recreate it unless you do something different with it Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. I guess um, the thing is with that song, then you take it to the band and the band takes it in another direction. Oh, completely. Entirely. That's yeah. what Franco Bolo is mm. and it has been a long time. I've been, now it's changed and we're all kind of writing, but I used to write most of the songs and then just take it to the bands and that's where it would become Franco Bolo, basically. It would completely change. Mm. Yeah. So, For the better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we should hear the session recording then of Worried Times, the, 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 the live session with the the audience, um, and then we can hear the the augmented final product. Yep. Okay.
So that's the recording that was made with the audience without adding anything else. So having done that, what did you feel needed to be added, if anything? Um, well, one of the main things is the main hook, the, the guitar's playing. We've doubled that up with everyone singing along to, to, uh, to enhance it. So you got... So, yeah, that's quite a key part, mm. I think. Yeah, it just does. needs to bring it out. And again, it, it, it alludes back to that surfery aspect of yeah. the demo, I suppose. Um, and, well, so we've doubled up the vocal. Your friends come around. We can talk for a while. I don't know if you can hear that, but there's two of Simon there just to kind of make it sit sit in the mix a bit better. Um, so some of the things we've done are quite subtle, but they kind of make it a little bit more produced, I yeah. suppose. There were certain songs that needed that kind of... Yeah, and there's this Juno sub-bass. Oh, nice. Just giving it a bit of depth. Um, <laughs> and then there's some little embellishments with the, the actual Juno on the top part, so you've got these little sort of fizzes. that kind of just bring parts out and little bits that go in between vocal lines and stuff like that. So, yeah, this is quite a cool one. Not sure where that is. Where now. is that? I can hardly hear it in there, but uh, if it's we go cool. to this bit, what's this one here? It's a bit better. So the, ah, this really worked to bring out the chorus when it yeah. jumps back into the second time round. So without it, if obviously did its thing we did the dynamic thing but then bringing in the high-pitched Juno at this point really lifted it so if I mute it now so you know again it's not overpowering but it kind of just helps the brightness come out at that, that, at that time so it's just things like that, really. Just little little embellishments that make it... Um, there's lots of little sonic intrigue going yeah, on at times. Yeah, that help bring out aspects of the song and help emphasise things. One thing that interests me when we were going to talk about this kind of recording session when you've brought in an audience is how do you stop them being part of the recording in terms of sounds? Because, I mean, that could be a good thing, uh -huh. um, but it could also... You know, they they could kind of interfere in in what you're yeah. actually recording. I mean, sort of explain to them first that you know this isn't we don't want applause, we don't want whoops and stuff like that. That's yeah. not what we're after. But if something does happen, which it did, I think in Kinky Lola, um, was it Neil? Yeah, quite a lot. Laughing in the background, and laughing stuff. and yeah. <laughs> but it and it kind of worked actually because a lot a lot of the instruments are close mic'd and they're loud instruments, you know, drum kit and guitar amps and stuff. So those mics aren't going to pick up someone laughing sort of a few feet mm -hmm. away, really. They're just going to pick up the guitar. But there are a lot of mics up in the room to capture what, whatever ambient stuff we like, really. And there's so there's times where I've got here Petter Overdub. I'm not sure what it is. Mm. So that's actually <laughs> Petter's mic, but picking up Simon because it's obviously got a distance on it. So all, these, all that sort of space, I really want to bring, bring people into the room as much as I can. Um, so to have all those mics and in the louder section, certainly if someone's making a noise that they shouldn't, it's kind of easy just to mute it. But 
You can mainly um, hear it like in the quieter bits and after songs like that, people are like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So it, it didn't seem to be too much of a problem. And it yeah. was really helpful because you stopped. Because the scary thing about recording is everybody's so serious when you record and it's like sound needs to be pristine and perfect. And so having people around that don't care, <laughs> it's really relaxing because you're like, yeah, you know, we'll, we're just yeah. going to play and, and everything will be captured and that's the way it's going to be. It's It becomes so much more relaxed than thinking that you have to be, everything needs to be on beat, everything needs to be perfectly yeah. in pitch. You know? And you kind of just need to trust yourself. You need to trust, trust yourself as a band. You know, we, we know that we are good. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in there like recording. So you can't really stand there like, oh, if the, you know, what if we fuck up? Yeah, you got to be <laughs> exactly. You got to rise to the challenge of people listening to you and like standing really close to you. Like we had, yeah, I had a, a someone filming in between my legs while I was playing. Someone <laughs> put in a little camera in there, and I had to like focus while this was happening. <laughs> so how far <laughs> away really were these people? I mean, could you reach out and touch? Yeah, them? yeah, 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 yeah. Just next yeah. to yeah. bumped into yeah. them and stuff while we were playing. Uh, like quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's cozy place here. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. we so we had a silent disco kind of rig. So they were mm. all wearing headphones. Right, and I was going to ask. So what were they hearing in the room? They had headphones on. Yeah. Mm. Well, actually, yeah. this is something we picked up for the second session because the first session they didn't. Oh, and and yeah. in, in each of the rooms, because even though it's a cozy place, it's very well kitted out for isolation. So you got um, Sean and Sam in the rhythm section room with with. Uh, window through to the other space where you guys were and obviously in there you just got vocals that you can hear in the jangling of the strings of the guitars and the guitar amps are locked away in another room um, and the bass amps in another room so it works really well because everyone can see each other but you've got pretty much perfect isolation on each of the instruments mm. um, so uh, yeah where was I going with this? So, so, the, but, so the audience now for the second session yes, actually that, had that, that headsets on. That was it, yes. So the first time, if, if someone was in with Petra and Simon, all they would hear is Petra and Simon <laughs> singing yeah. and this jangling strings, which I actually quite like that concept because between songs would swap everyone around. So yeah. then they could go into the rhythm section room and just hear, they'd, all they'd hear is drums, basically. <laughs> and then for the next song, they'll come in with me and, and Brett and then they could hear it all come together. Um, so I thought it was quite an interesting concept. But for the second time round, yeah, we hired in these silent disco headphones. And then we, we just fed them a mix of what we had in here so they could all hear the whole track. Yeah, I really so, liked that because it was more including the audience. You could tell them if you did something that they liked, they would look at you and they were like, oh, you know, they were all in there. Yeah, reacting cool. to it. Yeah, yeah. it's great. So, so that way they got to hear the whole thing as it was being performed yeah. then and there yeah. and, and react in a way that they... They would do, and then we normally. will react to their reaction. Yes, that's yeah. the whole idea. Which, yeah. yeah, which helped feed into your yeah, performance, um, and that also explains how um, surprisingly clean sounding the recording sounds. I think now, knowing that it was recorded in front of a, a live audience, and knowing how um, spirited you get as performers when when you perform with an audience, I, I did wonder. You know, how do you stop things feeding back? How do you stop things? kind of exploding in a way that you don't necessarily want them to explode. Yeah. And yet you've, you've really managed to do that on the recording. You know, the guitars aren't over-amped. In no. Yeah, they're not spilling onto each other. We were listening earlier, actually. There's, because the amps are both in the same room, but we've sort of angled them so they're not, you know, in a way that the mics are, each amp is completely off-axis to the mics. And actually it really works. You can't really hear the other one. Um, and and sometimes if sometimes when you can, it's actually really helpful because it gives a gives the guitar amp a little bit of space. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. works well. And so by the end of the second session, was 
that it? You thought we've pretty much got the album, and then how long did yeah. it take to do all those extra so the, bits? Kind of two weeks, wasn't it? We sort yeah. of did the main bulk of the recording, and then you can't really see that on this recording, but we've got a chart on the wall mm. with each song that we tracked, and then everyone's part that needs to be, you know, conquered. Make sure we've nailed. And obviously, after each main recording, most of like everyone's name will have a tick next to it because they all played it together. Yeah. And then there would be a couple of overdubs or something that we needed to do. And we just sort of methodically went through the chart, really. Yeah. Um, it was just kind of the only way we could nail it in the time we had. Yeah. Um, and again, because we wanted to restrict the time so we didn't agonise everything and change things. It's so easy. You know, a lot of the time you sit and then you, you do a lot of work and then you go home for a month or something and you get sent mixes and you listen to them at home and then you have too much time to think yeah, about it. Yeah, you go crazy. And you come oh. back and then the whole feeling is gone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, you, got, you, need, you need to sort of draw a line. That's we captured that at the time in the headspace we were in, and that's that. Move on. Yeah, and also keeping the idea that if you can't, if if you can't immediately hear it, don't add it, don't add it in. Yeah. So I think what's really nice is that there's not a lot of, there is rhythm, but all the like there's shakers and stuff, but they've all they were all added in live, so we never did that thing. Oh, this verse is boring. Let's just add in loads of shakers and stuff to make it a little bit more interesting. There weren't any 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 way to hide hide that it had to be good from the start yeah which i really really liked as well um interesting one of those overdubs that we did do was uh lap steel on some of the songs um with charles from slow club came down which was really nice did a great job yeah Sounds really great, great job yeah. and he's just kind of he just bought that lap steel at that time he just bought it a week before or something was, this was right. his new toy no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Charles is like that. He always gets like new new toys whenever he gets a bit of money and he buys some some new toys. <laughs> so yeah, I remember him coming to our studio and cause me and him write songs together as well sometimes. Um, and we were playing with the slap steel and then I just had the idea he should come and play on the record because there's certain songs where we just melt the parts together with a lap steel because it's so sway. Yeah, and so it adds the surfiness to it as yeah. well and it makes it a little bit more... I don't know, uh, Acapulco, like, you know, Hawaii shirts and drinks, kind of that yeah. kind of feel to it. Yeah. Shaking jazz hands kind of vibe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he nailed it, didn't he? We just mm. did a few takes on, on his songs and got he what know, we really wanted. did, yeah. Mm. It was great. And uh, again, I think you were you were conducting for that. Well, there was one take where you had to go sit in there with him. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of you kind of riffed off each other to yeah. so he could follow you. Because yeah. I mean, he was new to the material when he came in, right? Yeah. So Never he didn't know the songs? No. So mm -hmm. did he get a, a run through before he put down his part or did, did he just play no. along to... He's just played along. We, we, we listened to the song once and we were like, here, it would be nice if you could do that and that. And he'll be like, what chord is it? And I'll be like, that chord. And then he would play it. He's very good. Like, yeah, he's, he would just, yeah, yeah. I mean, and capturing him feeling his way through was quite important. I think a lot of the stuff he did is actually stumbling. So we, we would just run and he would just jam with it, basically. And I think a lot of the slide guitars are those takes where he's just kind of feeling it. And it kind of works with a slide guitar because it's a bit suggestive almost. Yeah, and you, like, can, you can lead, lead it yeah. to the point. You know, if you have a good ear, you can always just kind of follow it along all the way. Yeah. You know. So Charles from Slow Club is part of, of the recording. And are there other people apart from the audience? Harry Lightfoot mm. is Harry Lightfoot. Uh, an amateur clarinet player. We came in and yeah. did a really good job Great on you notice know, with yeah. this a really beautiful bit. Mm. I thought yeah. maybe to to end we should go out on a a little snippet of a song that involves some of these other people, either the yeah. lap steel from Charles or, or Harry Lightfoot's clarinet. Or... Yeah, well, should we go lap steel? We've got trees we can play. Yeah, and trees. Then there's a very interesting contrast between 
the original demo and what we ended up with. Yeah. Mm. So um, we can play a bit, a bit of Yeah, both. let's hear a bit of the demo of Trees then. So then, in your mind, having recorded a demo that was like electronic Nirvana, um, what what did you want to change it into? That's the thing. Like, um, didn't I didn't know. really want to change it because the reason why I used electronic drums in the first place it was just because I was lazy and didn't couldn't bother recording real drums. And I was sitting at home and I don't have a drum kit at home, so I was just recording it on the drum machine. But I still had in my head that it was going to be a big, right, live drum song. It was just to get the song down. Yeah. And then these nutters took it to to mm. Mars. <laughs> cool. So it's very kind of surfery again. Yeah. That's so nice. <laughs> so weird in context. trees yeah mm. <laughs> or as everyone in the, in the everyone else in the label because i misspelt it you know i put double s rather than double e oh tress and everyone was like yeah so tress i love that song <laughs> tress yeah <laughs> tress. <laughs> it's trees yeah it's tree. <laughs> he also played on U, uh, uso or uso yeah uh, which is, did a yeah. really nice job on that one as well exciting it's been so good to find out more about long live life um thank you so much simon petter Charlie, thank you very much. Long John. live life. Long, Long live, live Franco life. Bolo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review, tell your friends about us, and make sure you're subscribed so you can enjoy the latest episodes when they're released. Until next time, I'm John Kennedy, and thanks for listening. <laughs>